Hey friends, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I want to get right into it today. I'm grateful that you've tuned in. If you're a first time listener, uh, just want to say a special welcome and uh, encourage you to um, maybe check out some of the archives of Mavericks and Misfits um, and you'll get a pretty quick and clear understanding about what we do in each of these podcasts. What you hear is what you get. There's not a whole lot of fluff. And um, I just try to talk plainly to Christian people about the kingdom. My audience is almost exclusively Christian. It might involve some people that are not Christian but are curious. And we welcome anybody to listen, but we just go ahead and tell you right up front. Um, we're individuals as Mavericks and Misfits uh, audience, where, plus me as the host. And we, we're just individuals that are pressing in for a deeper understanding and experience in what uh, Jesus Christ has provided for us uh, through his life, death, resurrection, and present ministry of intercession as he sits at the right hand of the Father. And we're not interested in denominational standards that have nothing to do with the scriptures. We're not interested in traditions that have nothing to do with the scriptures. We're not interested in being woke. We're not interested in any kind of conformity to a man-made representation of the kingdom. We just want to know what God wants, and we want to hear what God says, and we want to do what we discern that God is doing. And um, if that sounds right to you, you'll probably be blessed and helped by these podcasts. Um, if that doesn't sound right to you, I just encourage you to maybe get stretched and just see um, just see if God's got something for you. You know, before I even launch into what I want to share today, most of the spiritual growth seasons in my life, and we do, me included, we go through seasons where God stretches us and grows us at an accelerated rate. And then there are other seasons where spiritual growth is not discernible as it's happening. You, you usually can measure spiritual growth looking backwards. Um, it's hard in some seasons to know that you're growing. You look backwards and see that you've grown, but there are other seasons of spiritual growth where you know it's happening as it's happening because you're getting stretched. You're, you're dying to your flesh. You're, you're aware that, you know, some of the preconceived notions you've had about God and his kingdom are being rewired in you because you're experiencing conviction and repentance over how you have lived out your faith. And it's so good of God not to leave us comfortable in our error. I mean, could you imagine a father that was just so detached that he let you be comfortable as you're moving in the wrong direction? I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want to devote myself to a God who just says, Jeff, I'm sure you're smart enough to figure it all out. Just keep doing whatever you feel is right. I'm glad. I'm grateful for conviction. I'm glad where sometimes God has, you know, just, you know, pierced me through and said, Hey, you are wrong about this. <laughs> Jeff, I love you, but you're wrong and you need to metanoia. You need to repent. You need to change your mind. And so I've gone through seasons where that is happening at like a full tilt, like it's like hardcore. And um, those are great seasons. But I've got a friend. Um, I won't call his name. He listens, so he'll know who he is. But um, he, he, he lives in the southernmost part of California. I mean, he might as well be like in Mexico. He lives in, in a valley in the southernmost part of California. And this is a man who's been pressing in. Uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ for many years. He's experienced tragedy in his life. He's experienced deep, deep loss. He's also in a 
fairly desolate spiritual area where it is nearly impossible for him to find like-minded believers who get the kingdom. I'm not saying that they're not believers, but believers who get the kingdom. And so my friend is a bit of a pioneer. He is certainly a maverick. And yeah, I'd just go ahead and tag the other word. He's a misfit too, because he's got kingdom boiling within him. And there's just very few, if any people, um, that it resonates with. So he is carrying something that is foreign uh, to the context of church and Christians in the region in which he's living. And that's a burden. Like if you've never done that, if in, you know, I'm not here to make people you know, celebrate self-pity or anything like that, but if you've ever been a lone ranger in an area where God's moving inside of you and nobody, if you know, very few, if anybody, anybody around you is getting it, that's a lonely feeling. That's a, a bit of an apostolic kind of burden because God's showing you things that make sense to nobody but you. And so my friend out there is living with this bursting sense of kingdom and love and vision and a desire to share it with, with others out there. And they're just kind of scratching their head. Um, he has an itinerant ministry. He's, um, he's works in the marketplace in a very, very unhealthy spiritual environment where frequently um, he's treated unkindly and unfairly. And he, he's given me the privilege of kind of listening to him over the years about how the situation in his workplace uh, unfolds. Now, meanwhile, outside of the workplace, God is using him to awaken the, the handful of groups that he ministers to. He ministers in about four four or five areas um, at quite a bit of sacrifice to himself. At some point, I think he was driving three hours to go and minister to a group of people in a different city that God had just given him um, influence with. And so God's using him greatly as, as an instrument to awaken a, a, a region that's very sleepy to the things of God. But then he has to go to work 40 hours a week, sometimes more. And the workplace there is, is just it's a hostile environment. Um, it is probably low grade persecution. Um, I don't know that anybody's come out and said, Hey, we treat you very poorly because you're a radical Jesus follower. I don't think anybody said that, but my friend, um, knows that there is, um, just clear opposition to him. And, uh, so he's had to suffer there and it's low grade suffering, you know, compared to like people getting their heads chopped off and stuff, but still it's the cross he's carrying. So it's heavy to him. And so as he was sharing with me about how God has sanctified him through this environment where um, he, is, he is opposed, he's frequently not valued by his immediate bosses, um, he is definitely a misfit, and you got to think it's Southern California, um, it's not Bible Belt, I'm sitting over here in Metro Atlanta in the Bible Belt, where you know even if people don't agree with what you say about you know Jesus Christ, you know, it's kind of woven into the culture around here, but not so where my friend lives. And so as he wrote me um, just a short update on what was going on at work and in his life, um, I just saw, man, over these last few years as he and I have been corresponding about this, man, God has deepened him. God has like radically changed him over these years as the external environment that he's been in has not gotten better. 
Now, you need to hear me on that. This is a dedicated child of God seeking to glorify Jesus Christ with all of his life, both in the marketplace and in um, ministry, itinerant ministry, and not due to a lack of prayer, not due to a lack of you know having a submissive and cooperative spirit at work, not due to any lack of virtue in my friend's heart, but simply because of the hard-hearted blindness of those that he has to do 40 hours a week with at work, the circumstances haven't gotten better. In fact, in, in certain sense, they've gotten worse. And this is what I discerned, and I've got somewhere I'm going with this. When I read my brother's letter as an email, when I read his email um, recently, I realized, oh my goodness, he has been so deeply promoted internally. Like he has been elevated internally. He has been advanced internally. Like there is this clear trajectory of betterment within him. And so he's got this internal prosperity and advance and promotion and elevation in the spirit. It's undeniable. But externally, Nothing has changed. And it reminded me of another man, a man named Joseph. And you'll find his story in the book of Genesis, uh, beginning around chapter number 40. And of course, Joseph was the teenage youngest son at the time uh, of, of Jacob. And so he had all these older brothers and Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. He had the coat of many colors. He had um, this, this favor of his father that provoked his brothers to jealousy. And so intensely jealous were they of Joseph that they decided at one point they're going to kill him. He had had these prophetic dreams and the dreams involved God elevating Joseph above his brothers and his parents and Joseph was immature and didn't know how to steward that revelation. So he kind of thrust it in front of his brother's faces to say, look at what God's going to do with me. And his brothers responded in envy and jealousy and hatred. And so they decided they were going to kill him. Well, to shorten the story a little bit, they didn't end up killing him, but they did end up selling him into slavery fabricating a story that they told their father Jacob that um, wild animals had clearly eaten Joseph and so the favored son was dead so it broke their dad's heart they literally sold their brother into slavery and this was all due to the fact that God was internally promoting Joseph even at a young age internally promoting him giving him revelation giving him a clear message of Joseph's destiny that God was going to promote and elevate and advance Joseph. And that, that was like, that was like a word over Joseph's life from God. But if you look at the outward circumstances of Joseph's life, it looks like anything but favor and destiny and promotion from God. So he gets sold into slavery and he ends up in the, the slave of a high-ranking Egyptian official named Potiphar. And so what does Joseph do? Joseph just stays fixated on God. I'm sure his heart was completely broken 
his life had been ravaged by circumstances and betrayal and abandonment. But you don't you don't see a negative response in Joseph. He just seems to continue to stay fixated on God and the word that God had given over his life. And so God begins to prosper him as the slave in Potiphar's house. And everything that Joseph touched turned to gold. So God's still affecting this internal promotion for Joseph. Now, one might say, well, Jeff, see, he's getting promoted externally. Um, He's a slave. He's a slave. That's not an external promotion. It just simply means that Joseph had enough internal elevation, internal treasure, that he's making the best out of a terrible external situation. And so God begins to bless the house of his master, Joseph's master, Potiphar, and great revenue and wealth and favor comes to Potiphar's house because Joseph is his slave. And so you might think, okay, Joseph has passed the test. He's honored God in a difficult situation. Well, he, he had, but guess what? The situation gets worse because Mrs. Potiphar, Joseph was a young, good looking dude. And Mrs. Potiphar started lusting after him and tried to get Joseph to sleep with her. And Joseph in an integrity, he was like, I'm not sinning against God and I'm not going to sin against your husband. And he spurns the advances of Potiphar's wife, and that enrages her. So she makes up this story that he sexually assaulted her, and she cries rape. And so his his status as a slave just got worse. Now he's going to be a falsely accused and convicted um, prisoner. And so he ends up in prison. And so, listen, again, he's doing everything right. He's seeking the will of the Father. He's trying to keep his heart pure in in being God's boy wherever he is. And God is not at this time promoting him externally. God is seemingly not rewarding him externally. God does not prevent difficulty from hitting Joseph's life. And it's not because Joseph is failing. There's no ill will, uh, ill words spoken of Joseph during these years. And so we can't say, well, Joseph's getting punished for his sins because he's not. He's actually operating at a high level of righteousness and dignity and morality to honor the Lord and honor people around him. And his circumstances just get worse and worse. So he's in prison. And guess what? God starts using him in prison. So he's interpreting dreams. He's got this spiritual gift, this endowment from God to be able to dream dreams and interpret dreams. And so he does some dream interpretation um, within the jail, and one of uh, Pharaoh's officials gets a dream interpreted, and Joseph says, you're about to get released. You're going to be back in the court of Pharaoh, and that comes to pass, and Joseph says to the guy, hey, when you get in Pharaoh's court, will you remember me? I'm falsely accused. Will you tell Pharaoh about me and get me out of here? And the man that he helped gets out of prison, goes into Pharaoh's court, and forgets all about Joseph. So Joseph, sold into slavery, falsely accused of sexual assault, wrongly convicted, sentenced to prison, honoring God in prison, ministering to other people in prison, repaid with absolute forgetfulness on the part of the man he held. Joseph is languaging for a long time in prison. Then eventually... Pharaoh says, hey, I'm having some very troubling dreams. I don't trust my dream interpreters that are part of my staff. They'll tell me whatever I want to hear. 
Um, we need somebody to interpret these dreams. And that man that had been released from prison years earlier says, oh, there was a dude in prison that interpreted my dreams. I think we ought to bring him up. So Joseph's sitting in prison and they come, just say it this way, knock on his door one day in his prison cell and say, hey, we're going to get you showered. We're going to get you shaved. You're going to stand before Pharaoh because he's got some dreams that need to be interpreted. And so they get old Joseph all cleaned up and Pharaoh says, hey, I've had these dreams and I need to know what the interpretation is, but here's my assignment for you, Joseph. I don't want to tell you the dream. You need to tell me what I dreamed and then you give me the interpretation. It's a nearly impossible task. So one might think, oh my goodness, I finally get out of prison. I'm finally going to get relieved. I'm finally getting promoted. And then right in front of Joseph is an impossible task. But Joseph doesn't, he doesn't waver. He says, I'm going to get the dream and I'm going to give you the interpretation. Now I'm going somewhere with this, so y'all hold on for a minute. And so he gets the dream from God. He gets the right interpretation. What it was doesn't even matter for what I'm sharing with you today, but he gets it right. And boom, here's his moment right here after years, years, I'm telling you of waiting years of being treated wrongfully, years of rejection, years of living with the heartbrokenness that he was betrayed by his own family, years of missing the father, the, his earthly father that loved him so much and whom he, whom Joseph loved. And then, you know, he's got a, he's got a criminal record that he didn't deserve. He's been rejected. He's been lied about. He's been abandoned. He's been completely demolished externally and circumstantially. And yet somehow all of that internal promotion doesn't get stained. It doesn't get broken. It doesn't get dented. There's no record of Joseph just being upset and bitter about his circumstances. He's not questioning the will of God. He's not, you know, demanding his rights. He's not looking for revenge. He just maintains this posture of spiritual surrender to God in the midst of the most terrible circumstances. And they're made more terrible because Joseph knows in his heart he's done nothing wrong. And so as he stands before Pharaoh and gives the dream and gives the appropriate interpretation, Pharaoh, remember this proverb that says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and like a river of water, he turns it wherever he wants. God turns Pharaoh's heart in favor, like a river of water, turns Pharaoh's heart towards Joseph. And Pharaoh says, I am going to promote you to the second highest position in all of the land, you're going to be my prime minister. Now, I the, the rest of the story of Joseph, man, I, I probably ought to preach his life again. It's such, and I may do that. I may do a series on the life of Joseph because it's just such a powerfully motivating uh, story. Um, but here's really what I want to talk to you about in my remaining time. Some of you, I think this happens with most people, but some of you are being promoted internally. God is elevating you internally. He's advancing you internally, spiritually. He is prospering you in your spirit, man. He's developing you. He's strengthening you. 
He's maturing you. You are seeing what he's doing. You're hearing what God is saying. You sense him. He's working deeply within you, but on the outside of you, the doors are shut. Maybe the doors are bolted. There doesn't seem to be any external promotion that gives outlet to the internal promotion and advance that God has clearly been building in you. You are serious about maintaining your integrity before God and man. You're not living a double-minded life. You're not dabbling in sin, and therefore there is no grounds of the enemy to accuse you. You're not lukewarm. You're not playing it safe. You're not status quo. You're not ho-hum. You're like a burning zealot for the glory of Jesus because you've made up your mind that the kingdom of this world is just paltry. It's a, it's a terrible route to go. And you have been delivered from the deep, seductive attraction of the world system. And you are, you've made up your mind. I am God's daughter and I'm going to bring glory to Jesus. I'm God's son and I'm going to bring glory to Jesus. Like, and you're, you're in the word and you have intimacy with the Lord, but outwardly, circumstances are not awesome. Maybe they're even really painful. Maybe there is the building potential for frustration because you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and your external promotion doesn't match your internal promotion. So you're bursting and you're saying to yourself at times, is it ever going to happen? Is is God going, is God going to leave me in Potiphar's prison? Is God going to leave me on the outside of my family's misunderstanding? And do I have people in my family that have rejected me and betrayed me or, you know, the pain that Joseph went through? Um, maybe you feel forgotten like Joseph was forgotten in the dungeon by the man that he helped. So all around you, other people are getting elevated and prospered and getting their breakthrough. And you're just saying, ah, my external circumstances feel like a cage. Internally, I'm good. I'm good. God's doing good things in me. But man, I long for the freedom and the full expression of, of what is going on inside of me. I long for that opportunity to flow outside of me. And you're saying, God, I need a change of circumstances. Lord, I need what's happening on the outside of me to parallel what you're doing on the inside of me. And that longing is uh, very real. I'm going to give you a proverb here. Um, you know, the proverbs have been always been helpful for me because they're bite-sized. Every proverb just about on its own is, is a message from heaven that you can just ponder. But in Proverbs 13, it's verse 11. This has really been on my heart this year. And it's actually talking about money, but I don't think it's limited to money because the word that is used is not, is not money. It's wealth. It says wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers it little by little will increase. Now, what does that have to do with Joseph and what might it have to do with you? So externally, you're wanting, you're wanting prosperity. You're wanting freedom. You're wanting advance. You're wanting breakthrough. 
You're wanting resource. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting it. But God isn't granting it to some of you. And so here's the test. You can, as many do, choose frustration, bitterness, resentment, hopelessness, despair. You can come into agreement with lies that say it's never, ever going to be right. It's never going to get better. Or you can say to yourself, I wonder if God is preventing me from gaining that prosperity, that wealthy circumstance. Don't think money. Think opportunity. Think breakthrough. Think easier circumstances. Maybe God is not giving me that now because it would prove to be hasty. Maybe the work inside of me is not done yet. Even though I've prospered, even though I've advanced, even though God has matured me, even though I'm more sanctified, even though I have more wisdom now, even though that there, there is now less of me and more of Jesus, maybe God's not done yet because the thing that he's prepared for me on the outside requires a deeper spiritual wealth of me on the inside. And maybe I'm assuming that the spiritual wealth on the inside of me is now ready because I don't fully understand what he's prepared for me on the outside of me. And so he's making you wait. You know, it's that phrase, those that gain wealth little by little will increase but a hasty gaining of wealth dwindles. You know, the pattern for a lot of people that have won the lottery and they're instant multimillionaires is that they get all of this material wealth, monetary wealth, but they're still the same person that they were before they got it. And they're not equipped internally to know how to properly handle the external wealth that came to them overnight. And many of the testimony of the lottery winners is that their life was ruined because of it. And it shouldn't surprise us because Proverbs 13, 11 says wealth gained hastily will dwindle. By the way, a lot of them lose it. But those that gain wealth little by little will increase. And so when we apply that spiritually, could it be that God in his wisdom would say to you, I have given you and am giving you still great spiritual wealth, but I'm not going to give you the hasty release because if I let you go too soon, the wealth I've given you will dwindle. You'll let it spill out in things that are unworthy. So child, I'm making you wait a little bit. Could it possibly be that God might be working in your life that way? And so guess what it boils down to? As it always does for us, trust. It boils down to trusting God. I would also add this. Take time and give God praise and glory that you do have the desire that you do see the growth, that your zeal is actual because there's so many Christians who know nothing of zeal for the kingdom and you've got it. The wisdom that you have, you've got it. The integrity that you've developed at great cost, you've got that treasure, you've got that wealth. 
Yeah, your circumstances may be really, really troublesome, but they're not permanent. The wealth you gain from God, the spiritual capital, the resource, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the Christ-likeness that you gain is the greatest treasure that can be given a human being, and God is breeding that in you. He's cultivating that in you. Many people that name the name of Jesus don't have what you already have. And so I'm asking you, will you trust God that he will do for you what he did for Joseph after he called Joseph to wait? God released Joseph into his full destiny at the time that God determined was best. And it came after years of impossible outward circumstances. But those impossible outward circumstances did not deny Joseph the internal elevation, promotion, and advance. And so Joseph carried out of that dungeon with him everything that God had put into him in the years of affliction, abandonment, betrayal, denial, and people forgetting. Joseph never lost the wealth. And then at God's timing, all of that wealth came up out of the dungeon circumstance and then entered into God's appointed timetable for Joseph's destiny. And Joseph would end up saving the entire uh, people of Egypt and also his family because his dad and his brothers ended up fulfilling the dream that God originally gave Joseph. What was that dream? That he would be exalted over his brothers and his dad. And it all came to pass. And Joseph never lost his integrity. Joseph continued to honor the Lord. Joseph operated in wisdom. And Joseph is one of the rare people in all of the Bible of whom nothing negative is implicitly um, uh, assigned to him, specifically assigned to him. Some may say, well, Joseph shouldn't have talked about the dreams in such a way. Well, he was young and 17. But the, if, 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 if the worst thing said about Joseph in the Bible was that he may have been operating in a little bit of recklessness at 17 years old when he gave the dreams to his dad and his brothers, if that's the worst thing on his record, that's a pretty good record considering the brother was abandoned, betrayed, falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, forgotten in prison, and made to languish circumstantially for a long time. And the worst thing that can be said about him is that at 17 years old, he operated in some youthful arrogance and ignorance. Wow. So as I close today, I just want to say this. <clears throat> just keep waiting and rejoicing. Just keep rejoicing that God is working so deeply inside of you and he's given you spiritual capital, spiritual wealth, spiritual value. Little by little, he just keeps giving it. He's continuing to build you. Even right now, as you're listening, he's building you. He's saying to your spirit, yes, you're going to wait with me. Yes, I'm going to bring you into your external promotion, but not right now. You keep focusing on me and I'll keep building you internally with greater treasure, greater riches, and you will one day have that convergence of your external advance and promotion now meeting your internal 
that's I've been that God's been cultivating. If He's talking to you, He said, "I've been cultivating this in you for years, and now here comes the external opportunity to give full expression to everything I've been showing you, telling you, and everything I put in your heart." So it's about trust, and I bless you, my friend, to continue to trust Him. He's brought you this far not to forget about you. He's intentionally developing you. And he's also preparing that thing for which you're going to step right into when his timing's right. Grateful that you tuned in to Mavericks and Misfits today. Be enriched. May God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.